Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show. This is the show where we go over yesterday's slate. We take a look and review some uh, top players' lineups in the large field GPPs. And then we kind of take a look at, uh, at today's slate, which I, I, I don't know what we're going to do today. I don't know what we're going to do today. It's an 11-game slate. So that means there's 22 teams to pull shenanigans. And it's the trade deadline, right? Today is the trade deadline. And uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen, right? Because then whoever's getting traded, it can't play tonight. Uh, it, it, is the trade deadline like, like at three o'clock? Are we going to get? Are we going to get at least what the trades are by then? Who knows what's going on? It's silly season in the NBA. So whatever, whatever we talk about today, about today's slate, I don't even know if it matters. I don't know at eleven in the morning. I don't even know if it matters, and that's why we primarily cover cover strategy on the show. It's teaching time. So if you got the questions, I got the answers. Right. If you're in the YouTube chat right now, I see you guys. Gerald Miller, Max Coach, Apocalypse, Daniel Hutchings, Andrew Palmer, Matt Mears, Chandler Cannon, Card Fan, Jacob Calloway, Cheryl in Ridgeway, Druid 27. I see you guys. Give me those tummy thumbs. Keep the apple juice cold. Or if you want to listen later, you could always subscribe on the podcast feed. Roto Grinders pregame show. Search on iTunes, rate and review it there. Yesterday. Yesterday, I'm, there weren't really shenanigans yesterday, <clears throat> other than waiting to see whether or not Harden was going to play, and he did play. So really, the only thing, uh, what was the only thing yesterday, uh, Lonzo was out. Was that the only late news? Because we still had the Lake, the Lakers, obviously, without LeBron. Then we had uh, the Knicks, right, right, Peyton played. Okay, so that, that didn't make that much of a difference. But really, really slotting in Nikhil Alexander Walker into the starting lineup. He was he was a lot of people a lot of people got there. He came in before lock, about maybe twenty minutes before lock, but still forty percent owned in the pull up jumper on DraftKings. Heavy chalk. Did he get there? Yeah, I guess he got there. Thirty two point seven five for what? He was like forty four hundred. So that was pretty good, right? Uh, but I mean, Hard was mega mega owned. 38%. Bruce Brown, who didn't even play the fourth quarter, he was the big dud of the slate. Although at 51% ownership, I st- still think he appeared in, in most of the, the top lineups anyway. When we take a look at, uh, like, look, the, the winning lineup had Bruce Brown in it. And 16 and a half points. But I mean, if you ha- yeah, if you get Cantor at uh, Cantor's 9x, uh, Covington, you're right. If you get the Alpha Rukamino, you pretty much needed him. He went nuts. He went up for what, eleven x or so. PJ Doge. I mean, look at look at this. Right, you could use Bruce Brown, fifty one percent Bruce Brown, only getting sixteen points in a lineup like this. Even the second place lineup. See, second place lineup, no Bruce Brown, but still Derek Jones didn't do. You know, I mean, I, he did enough, I guess, over here. But he got to have a Aminu. Didn't have Cantor, so basically here, but had Fournier, who did well. At twelve percent on the whistles go woo over here. Pretty much the same. We had uh, Devante Kaycock. 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 Is this? Should I put explicit tags on this? The Kaycock. He started for the Lakers. I mean, but he barely played. I mean, he was going to play like what they were doing with Damian Jones. Ten and a half points. I think he got lucky there, even to get ten and a half points. 
He got a little blowout run or something towards the end. <clears throat> it was 3% owned. I, I think that's all he should have been owned. Oh, he's starting. Yeah, he's going to play like eight minutes. <clears throat> Ten minutes, maybe? So they could play small with, with Morris, and they could have Harold there. So, I mean, it's kind of like the false starting center type of role. But I guess people went there. Tinky Tyler up here. So you don't see, yeah, I guess you don't see, in the winning lineup, there was Bruce Brown. You take, oh, here's another Bruce Brown lineup. Walker, Brown, Harden. Petty theft over here. Had Cantor. Aiton. Aiton went off. He actually played 34 minutes. He hasn't been playing that much. So he got 48 points. I mean, if he's going to play 34 minutes, obviously 5,900 is way too cheap. But he hasn't. He's been playing like 24 minutes. Josh Hart. Kyle Kuzma. There were a lot of ways to get there. Kelly Oubre. Like, you didn't need Jokic. Jokic was the top scorer on the slate, and you didn't even need him. As long as you got there. So, I mean, did anyone? What was what was Jokic's ownership here? 13%. So, decent amount. Petty theft didn't have any. But, I mean, there, there's a little there was a little out there. The main, the main thing to me on the slate, the two chalk pieces that you had to make decisions on, I think more more than Bruce Brown was Jordan Poole and Nicholas Claxton. I think Claxton was over-owned. I mean, he got there. Yes, he got there. 28.75 points. Jordan Poole didn't get there at his price because they bumped him up. But 5,626, ain't going to cut it. So we see, like, Jay Blake the King, Petty Theft, Hishboo, even Baranosaurus Rex, like, day constructions without Poole. And same thing for Claxton. Other than Mr. Good Seats, most, 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 of, the, most of these players were under on Claxton. Over on Harrell, he didn't get there. I mean... Didn't play in the blowout. So we could see these constructions. He's in Paul Millsap. He was under 4K. He did well in like the first quarter and then just died. Just nothing. But I understand that. I understood the Millsap pivot. He was still 17% owned. It's not like he was that low owned. People played Derek Jones. I'm, ass- I'm assuming Derek Jones is a late swap. I'm assuming people prepared some lineups maybe for Harden not to play or for Harden to play, and they switched around there, I could see that. I wouldn't go out of my way to play Derrick Jones Jr. And I guess that's where the can- maybe that's where the Cantor ownership comes also. People prep their lineups late in case Harden sat. Because if Harden sat, that just opened up the door for like Tyler Johnson and Joe Harris and like everyone's too cheap on the Nets, like to the ridiculous end. So I can understand. I can understand if if a lot of a lot of top players in GPPs like punted their lineups to late for the ten o'clock games. What's, what's the worst case scenario? If you had Harden in, you have way too much money and you're probably playing Lillard. But if you don't play Harden and you're just like, I'm going to keep my cheap pieces, I'm going to keep my Bruce Browns and all of that, and then still leave money on the table just so you have something to play with. I could see it, and that's why you need. That's why you need. Someone like Cantor. That's why you need someone like you know, even CJ McCollum. I mean, did, was he owned? Not much, really. You had to spend the money somewhere. So I get it. Or even like Hishboot had 50% Tyler Johnson. Even with Harden playing. Wiggins, horrible game. Randall, Randall did great. It's just that the Knicks blew. I mean, the National Blowout Association 
Like Randall could have gotten 65 points if, if he played the fourth quarter. Aaron Gordon did good in the beginning and then died and then did a little bit better and then died again. Is he getting traded? What's going on today? Is, is, are the Magic playing? Everyone's getting traded today. Is Lowry getting traded? Who's getting traded today? Who do we have to worry about? Giannis is questionable. Giannis is questionable. It's like, like It seems like no one's on the injury report yet. It doesn't matter. Brogdon is questionable. Kevin Porter is questionable. Gallinari. Ross. Miles Turner. Right. The, the Pacers guys. Right. Blake Griffin. Who cares? Going through what? Cody Zeller. Does that matter? Rudy Gay. I don't care. Wayne Ellington. Jordan McLaughlin. Garrett Temple. Okay. It's not, not many. The injury report doesn't matter today. Who's being traded? Who's getting traded today? That's what's going to matter. Because they're going to announce a trade and be like, they, whoever's on those teams, they they get a boost because those guys aren't going to be playing tonight. Are people going to get traded mid-game? Can that happen? Are we going to get one of those types of things, the DNP? Oh, this guy's not in the starting lineup. Oh, because he's traded. Because he's traded. Does that happen? When's the actual deadline? Is it before the game starts? Maybe I should look that up before I do the show. Brandon Stinson. So how about Aminu hit with his 1% smash percentage for your yesterday example, Blender thought. Well, he played, oh, how many minutes did he play? Dude, he was projected for like 18 minutes. He played like 30 plus minutes. So yes, he has a 1% chance of smashing in his price when he plays 18 minutes. If you, if you projected him to play over 30 minutes, then yes, his smash percentage goes up. It's all related to the minutes. Look at Boban. You tell me Boban's 4K and he's going to play 38 minutes? I'll jam him into every lineup. But even if, well, how much, how how many minutes do you project for Boban on some slide? Oh, Kleber's out or Powell's out or something. You still project, what, 12 minutes? I mean, what would that middle median of his minutes be? Let's say just for whatever sake, he ends up playing 32 minutes. Oh, yeah, well, if he plays 32 minutes at, 3,500, smash percentage is like 97%. I mean, like, it's, it's stupid. So the minutes have to, 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 projecting the minutes matters. There are plenty of people with 1% smash percentages. I mean, we take a look here. Go down to uh, whatever. Cameron Payne has a 10% smash at playing 18 minutes. But let's say, you know, the fit the, the Suns blow out the magic and he play and ends up playing 26 minutes. Well, yeah, obviously there's more chance of scoring. We go down here. Derek Favors, 15 minutes, 3%. Smash at the 3,400, which is like 20 points. Well, what happens if go what happens if Gobert gets injured in the first in the first quarter? And Favors has to play a bunch, gets into foul trouble. Then Favors ends up playing 23 minutes. Well, then then that's that's different. His numbers are based on the minutes. Yes, he has a, James Harden has a 41% chance of smashing his projection for 38 minutes. If he ends up playing 33 minutes, well, then obviously that's going to go down. Zubach, 32 minutes. Well, what happens if Zubach plays 26? Well, it's obviously less of a chance. P.J. Dozier, 28% smash in 23 minutes. Well, let's say he only plays 16. Well, then obviously he has less of a chance to smash. It's all related to one another. Juror 27, did projections kick Hero Lewis's projection up a lot with the Lonzo news? Not really. 
I mean, up, yeah, his minutes went up, but not to that dramatic extent. Understand that Kira Lewis played most, played like seven minutes before before the blowout. But Kira Lewis played like the entire fourth quarter. If that game was close, and also Nikhil Alexander-Walker was in foul trouble, right? He got two fouls early. And it was a blowout. So, yeah, obviously Kira Lewis is going to play 20-plus minutes as opposed to eight. Daniel Hutchings. Hey, Jordan, I want an entry into the $2,500, 1,011-person DK NBA contest today. That's the, that's the mega millionaire contest. I assume many others won via satellites. Nah, not necessarily. Does that mean I can expect the field to behave more like a smaller entry fee contest? No. That contest is going to be similar to any high stakes, you know, the 888 or whatever. It's more like that. You know how hard it is to win satellites into a contest? Like, if you're playing a $4 contest to win a satellite into a $2,500 entry contest, they'd run that many of those types of satellites. It's going to be most. It's going to be mostly high stakes pros, mostly. I think the mat. What's the max entry on that? I think thirteen or something. You're going to see multiple lineups. You're going to see people putting thirteen or ten or six or something like that. So no, I would I would treat that just like the eight eighty eight or whatever the seven seventy seven, whatever they call it, the six hundred dollar box out man, whatever whatever they call the three figure like the four forty four, whatever. I don't know. I never know what they call it. You change the names of them all the time. Tonight, only four games for GPP on FanDuel. What do you think? How are there only four games on FanDuel? There's not four games. There's 11 games tonight. Did FanDuel split them up? I don't know. It's going to be the same. Let me take a look. Main slate. As everyone. What are we talking about? Four game slate? No. There's 11 games. I know. Are you on the wrong day? Are you from the past? Are you from the future? What are you talking about? Four games? Tonight, only four games. No, there's not only four games. 11 games. Luis Jose Lopez, I'm a Roto Grinders member. Can you talk about your GPP process on FanDuel using the optimizer? We have tons of Roto Academy videos. If you're if you're a premium member, which you could get, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. Go so look, I, I've I've done I've done, Squirrel Patrol is done, Brit's done, every, I mean plenty of people. Go go into the, the tutorial section on the on the website. The video section, tutorials, there's tons of Roto Academy videos about lineup HQ, all sports, all everything. You can hours upon hours of content. Oh, the deadline is tomorrow. They're telling me the deadline's tomorrow at 3 p.m. Oh, which makes it worse. So the deadline is tomorrow, but then we may have trades today. Is that the point of it? Is that why they made the treadline deadline tomorrow? What's going on? So it's gonna be is it gonna be silly tomorrow also? Do you think there's going to be trades? To, isn't it tra- they're, going to, they're going to trade today? You'd figure if they're trading a guy tomorrow by three o'clock, that I mean, so maybe we get those silly stuffs today. The DNPs out of nowhere, right? We get we get to, we get to, at seven twenty, and we then realize that Kevin that, that that Kyle Lowry isn't in the starting lineup for the Raptors, right? That happens, right? We get to we get to seven fifty five, and Aaron Gordon is not in the starting lineup for the magic we're like what's going on right is that is that what's going to happen today I'm, I'm sick of it sick of it i don't even know if i'm going to play today 22 teams 
trade deadline on top of all the normal shenanigans. End up jumping out the window at some point. Jacob Calloway, question about MLB lineup HQ. Does the product have top stack percentage or is that something I'll have to calculate with the data provided? Uh, uh, We have Slate IQ for MLB. So that article, and it gets updated several times a day. I I believe that there is a column in lineup HQ for it, but there's also an article that'll show top stack percentage versus ownership. So you get that in, in, in MLB. If you're a Roto Grinders premium member. But yes, I, I use that. Essentially, I use that hand in hand with, with the projections. There's a column in line of HQ, but a lot of times I find it easier to just have it separate. And two separate, you know, just two tabs, right? You have Slate IQ, you have line of HQ, you're good, right? So yes, yes, you do get that. Joe Wheeler, I bought your course yesterday. Talk to me like I'm a five-year-old concerning EV and contest selection. Well, I mean, you bought the course. Go listen to it. He says only four games viable for GPP. What do you mean only four games viable for GPP? What are you you talking about? There's 11 games viable for GPP. There's a whole of players. What do you, I don't understand that. What do you mean there's only four games viable for GPP? I'm I'm looking at the projections right now. Even if I just run the optimal right here. It's all a mix of people. Went to Charlotte, I guess. I think maybe they're maybe a little underpriced. What do you mean? There's no, there's no like stand games. I want players. Here's about the games. So you can just eliminate seven, seven games. Who cares? Who cares what happens? Who cares? Uh, Detroit, Indiana. If everyone's out for the Pacers, you know, you're not going to play Doug McDermott or whatever because he's not one in one of the games. That doesn't make any sense. Brandon Simpson says tonight is the problem because they're going to sit some of the guys that are talked about in negotiations. All the trade will be done by tomorrow's late. Plus there will be only four. Yeah. It's only four games tomorrow. So is that what we're talking about? Four games tomorrow. We're not even talking about today's slate. Tomorrow. We're already talking about tomorrow's slate. How should we play tomorrow's slate? That does not even pricing her out for tomorrow. But yeah, this is going to be silly season tonight. Like I said, I don't know if I'm going to play tonight. Let me just take the night off. Spend time with the wife. The wife. Is it worth the mental anguish? I mean, I, yeah, there's edge. Right. It just it, From 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock, you're going to just have to stare at your computer screen and wait for updates and late swaps and new starting lineups. And is this guy playing and DNPs and who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Brandon Matlick asked, what exactly is smash percentage? Smash percentage is the percentile in which their their projection meets their target GPP score for their salary. So for instance, in basketball, the baseline for a smash is like 5X plus 10. So let's take Zubach. 5X plus 10 is 35 points. Okay, his distribution is 18.72 to 43.99. His median is 31. So normal distribution curve, I'll show you this. Okay, so this is what a projection really looks like. Okay, what you see here, or whatever, we're looking at Zubach. See this 31, 18, 43. 
right? 1831-43, right? 18 is right where this mouse is. 31-43. This is one standard deviation. That's one standard deviation, up or down. This is two standard deviations. This is three standard deviations. All of his outcomes are inside this curve. But you see this green section? That makes up 68.2% of all of the outcomes. Right? Because that's what a projection is. Projection isn't 30. He's going to score 31. Now, that's just, just that. That's that 50. That's right here. Right here. Right at the top. That's the median of all these outcomes. His floor, 1843, where one standard deviation is. Okay. Now there are other outcomes out. So, you know, if he scores 14 points, that's in here. Scores 45 points, 48 points or whatever, he's over here. So what's his smash? His smash, well, it all depends on the price. So 5X plus 10 would be a baseline. 5X plus 10 is 35. Okay, well, the median is 31. The ceiling is 43. So the median is 31. Ceiling is 43. So where is 35 points on there? Well, about right over here. That were, that's where 35 points would be on his projection, on his curve, normal distribution curve. So if it's right there, it's right at 30, it's, it's right at the, it's right at the 60, 63rd percentile, right here. 63rd percentile means 37% of the outcomes in his projection are above that, which means based on 32 minutes and all the variables and everything and running a thousand simulations, 37% of the outcomes are above his GPP target score. So he's a 37% chance of hitting those. P.J. Washington, 35. SGA, 33. Right? We go to DraftKings. Harden, 5X plus 10 is about 65 points. Well, his median is like 63. So yeah, so it's smashed. How many outcomes are past that, whatever that point is? Well, 41% of them. Then we take a look at someone with really low smash percentage. Let's take a look at the 5%, right. Chris Middleton today. Someone even lower. Josh Jackson. Yeah, our favorite, Josh Jackson. 5X plus 10 is about, what, 20, 35 points? 37 points, 30, 30, 37 points? Well, 37, I mean, his ceiling is 32, median is 24, right? 24, right? We have, where, 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 where are we? Josh Jackson, where do we go? We're looking at a fan duel. Where am I looking? Where did he go? Okay, there he goes. So we have 24, 32. 24, 32. Well, he needs to score like 30, well, 38, something, 37 to, to smash. It's going to be somewhere over here. Outside, of, nearly outside of two standard deviations. Almost. Which is represented by 2%. Anyone that's listed with 0%, Jamino automatically just, that's outside of two standard deviations. 
So there are, there technically are, just it's going to be under 1%. It's going to be 0.2%, right? Jimino typically, these, these red areas over here, he typically cuts off as outliers, parts of the projection that happens so infrequently, right? Because 68.2% is in the green. 95.4% is in the green and yellow. 99.7% is in the green, yellow, and red. Then 0.3% is in like something like completely, completely nutso type of outcomes. Assuming they get the minutes, right? Assuming that they play the minutes, like, an outcome where they get that they 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 don't play at all zero minutes yeah yeah obviously it's going to be zero it's obviously going to be zero this is in the minutes provided but that's what a projection is of course I've explained this before I explained it in the course this is what you're looking at you're not looking at thirty oh we predict him to score thirty one points no thirty one is just the median outcome of a whole range of outcomes. It's more likely that he's going to score somewhere within this green section. But understand that green section covers 18 to 44 points. So this green section right here, you go, oh, as long as I'm in the green, I'm fine. Well, if you're in the green, like if he scores 19 points, it's in the green. If he scores 42 points, he's in the green. What's the spread on that? 42 minus 18. 24-point spread is within one standard deviation. It's in that green section. So if you play Zubac on FanDuel tonight or whatever, I'm just using him as an example, and he's projected median is 31, and he only scores 24, oh, I can't believe, like, there's nothing they can't believe. Like, don't, up in arms? No, it's, it's, it's inside here. That's well within, it's well within one standard deviation. That's normal. That's expected. Anywhere in between 18 and 44 would be in that in here. So you'd see how much variance there is, even in NBA. SGA's projection on FanDuel isn't 40. Uh, we predict him for 40 points. No, it's not a prediction. Based on his based on simulating his range of outcomes on 34 points with the given variables of the game. Matchups, everything, efficiency, who's in, who's out, all, all, all the basketball stuff. His projection within one standard deviation is about 26 to 53. So if he scores anywhere between 26 and 53, that's well within the margin of error. And I know you're thinking, well, 26 to 53 is a pretty wide range. So 28 and 52 are like, yeah, yes. Yes, now, now you're getting it. Now, now you're getting what projection. Now you're getting what variance is. You're getting what it is. So if the range of two players, let's say we go to, let's go to DraftKings. Now that, now that you know, if you didn't, that anywhere in, in this green is considered like normal. That's like expected within one standard deviation, within the margin of error. So if we take two players, let's say at the same salary, that are projected similarly. Okay. Let's let's see if we could find two guys. Kawhi, okay, here we go. Kawhi the different positions, but who cares? Kawhi Leonard and De'Aaron Fox. We could even throw it at they're both 9K. Okay. 
45.91 median. De'Aaron Fox, 45.45 median. Not much, a half a point difference. We could see here that De'Aaron Fox actually has a slightly higher ceiling, slightly, by a point and a half. But Kawhi has a nearly six-point higher floor. So if you had to choose between the two in cash games, Kawhi would probably be a better choice. His range is narrower, okay? They both have the same median, nearly the same median. But you can see here that Darren Fox's range is like 31 points, and Kawhi's is like 25 points, 24 points. Narrower range. So that this distribution curve like is narrower for Kawhi. There are more 34-point outcomes in this green space. De'Aaron Fox has 28-point outcomes here. Kawhi's 28-point outcomes are in the yellow. So for like cash games or something like that, if you had to choose, if you had to choose between the two, that was the only thing I gave you. You'd probably choose Kawhi Leonard. But let's say in GPP, I mean, look at the difference in the ranges. Yeah, the medians are close, half a point. One has a range of 24 points, one has a range of 30 points. So if Kawhi Leonard puts up 20, uh, 36 and De'Aaron po- Fox puts up 57, that's not that's considered normal. I know it sounds, it sounds oh, that's a dramatic difference. No, that, that would be normal. That would both be within one standard deviation of their median projection. So if Kawhi puts up 36 and De'Aaron Fox puts up 56, a 20-point difference. Projection-wise, it's within the margin of error. 20 points. So now, if I tell you that, even though they're extremely close meeting-wise, and their variance, I mean, we're talking about two guys that are the closest. I mean, once we get away, we get even wider ranges. That a 20-point range would be normal. Like, that would be well within the margin of error. Like, it's something you can't... You wouldn't even uh, compensate for whatsoever. If I told you that Kawhi was going to be 20% owned and De'Aaron Fox was going to be 10% owned, who do you play? Well, you play De'Aaron Fox every single time. Why should, why should the ownership be any different? And if you did that and Kawhi puts up 56 and De'Aaron Fox puts up 36, it's, Oh, I picked the wrong one. No, they're both within their they're both within their one standard deviation outcome. That's normal. That would be normal. So Fox puts up thirty six points. Uh, well, he was projected for forty five points. The projections are off. No, the projections are fine. In fact, the projections were great. Yeah, but it's you projected him for forty five, and he only scored thirty six. So we didn't project him for forty five. Forty five is his median. That doesn't mean he's going to score 45 points. It just means that 45 points is there. That's it. That's all that means. That's literally all that means. Having an outcome of of 35 points and it's over here. Well, that's still in this green. That's still, we're projecting, projections are projecting this green area. Well, they're projecting the whole thing, but I mean, you're looking, when you look at floor, ceiling, median, you're just looking at this green area. What's going to happen tonight? Well, it's to be 
probably 68.2% of the time, it'll be something in the green. That's it. What, 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 what constitutes that green area? Well, for De'Aaron Fox, it's 28 to 60 points. 28 to 60 points. With a median of 45. That's it. So knowing that, knowing how projections are, that's what a projection is. What's the difference between De'Aaron Fox and Donovan Mitchell? Oh, there's a one-point difference. Oh, that means De'Aaron Fox has to be a much better play. Look, it's a full one-point difference. Take a look at their ranges. 28 to 59, 30 to 50. Like, it's practically the same. A one-point difference. But, I mean, remember, look at these ranges. Donovan Mitchell could score... 33 points and De'Aaron Fox could score 57 points. And that would be, that would be normal. That would be like, Oh, well, what happened? You wouldn't think there's no reason to ask what happened there. That would be, that's in there. That's well within one standard deviation of their range of outcomes. So with that disparity, with that range being so wide, this is what I mean by play whoever you want. I mean, what's the difference between Fox and Mitchell? Not much. Trey Young actually projects for a little higher, right? He's at 47 median for 8,700. And that's why his smash percentage is a little bit higher. 32% versus 23%. But still, look at Trey Young's range. 27 to nearly 65. So it's actually, look at, let's, it's a wider range than Fox. Fox is, only goes up to 60. So basically, Trey Young is very similar to Fox, very similar, similar to Fox. It's just that, Instead of 65 for Fox is like over here. 65 for Trey is over here. But that's really the main difference between those two players, right? If we take a look at Trey and Fox, like really the main difference is actually Trey Young has a one point lower floor and a four point higher, four or five point higher ceiling, wider range of outcomes. Oh, that means that Trey Young is a better a better play. No. What's the difference between these two? A point and a half difference in median? If De'Aaron Fox puts up 55 points and Trey Young puts up 30 points, oh my God, Trey Young's projection was off. No, 30 points, it's within one standard deviation. 57 points for Fox is within one standard deviation. Both fine. Well, they neither of them hit that. Fox got 57 but he was rejected for 45. Trey Young was projected for 47 and he only got 30. Yeah, and 47 is just his medium. That's that's all that is. That's all this is, is his medium, not a prediction of what's going to happen tonight. That's all that is, 47 up there. These are all the things that could possibly happen, everything else in this, in this distribution curve. 68.2% of the time will be in this green area. That's what that's what a projection is really looking at. I hope that explained. I mean, it explains what smash is and explains what a projection is. And it's not like I haven't explained this before. Any anyone that re- watches the show regularly knows that I've done this exact explanation. Like probably since since the start of the year, I probably I've probably done this four or five times already. Which is fine. We get new people. People need to learn. People need to brush up. That's perfectly fine. I'm not saying anything that's like, like, oh my God, I, fi- I finally let out the secret. Like, no, there's, there's no secret. This is it's just math. It's just statistics. 
You go to Khan Academy and take the statistics class. That's, that's what you'll learn. Bankroll Sports Club says, yo, love this. Range, mediums, medians, says mediums. This is what all DFS and handicapping sports is all about. Well done. Yes. I, you know me. I constantly say this is a math game. Not a sports game. Just so happens to be with sports performance, but it's it's a it's a math game. Michael Papadopoulos, would you optimize with a floor projection for single entry, 100 entry GPPs? No, it's a GPP. Most of the time in GPP, you're going to be sacrificing projection for the sake of correlation and leverage. So the the, proje- the only use of the projection is to see how much you're sacrificing. So it doesn't, to me, it, it's, it's all in relation to one another. You use the median, use the floor, use the ceiling, use the median, it doesn't matter. Just, just be consistent. You're, you're looking relatively between two lineups, not absolutely. When you're building cash lineups, yeah, then you, you give, give, me, give me as much median as possible. There you go. But if you just play the top ceiling lineup, you're playing a cash lineup anyway, because the top ceilings are typically the top medians also. So it's like you're not getting any correlation or leverage. And NBA don't care that much about correlation, but you're not getting much leverage. You're still playing the highest on players pretty much. So in order to get leverage, you're going to have to sacrifice some of that projection. How much of a projection are you willing to sacrifice for an extra 30 percentage points lower in ownership? Maybe two, three points. So it doesn't matter what, what, projection set you use doesn't matter all you need to know is the relation between the top lineup the optimal lineup right the optimal lineup on DraftKings right now is based on these projections don't go by them 4 48 a.m top projection top optimal is 281.76 obviously at some point i'm going to get the ownership and in order to win a gpp even a small gpp i'm probably going to have to get off you know sacrifice a point or two you get a little bit lower on lineup. So a point to two from 281. So probably a lineup that's like 279. So the if I set this to ceiling and optimize, and this number was 437, I mean, it's still going to end up being a couple of points. So just in relation to the top lineup. That's all I need. So the number doesn't necessarily matter. If it's floor, ceiling, median, as long as it's consistent, some players have higher standard deviation than others. Yes, that's true. But in the span of, of sacrificing projection for the sake of leverage, all you need to know is the, 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 the projection relatively to other lineups. So if you decide to like, if you do it all by floor, fine, then do it all by floor. Sacrifice one floor point for X ownership. When you do ceiling, obviously the numbers are bigger. So it's, Sacrifice three points for X, the same amount of ownership. In the middle, median, sacrifice two points for X amount of ownership. As long as you're consistent, you're, you're, you're weighing lineups relatively, not absolutely. It doesn't matter. To me, it doesn't matter. I, I build using median, who cares? It's right in the middle. But that's what this is. That's what DFS is. It's a math game. Right, but this explains what a pro- what a projection is. There's a normal distribution curve. Now, players don't don't technically have normal distribution curves. They have some weird that's probably can't even they they don't they don't fit into this exact mold. 
especially in like a sport like baseball, you're not you're not going to you're not going to get normal distribution trips. But in order to simplify the process, and with the simulation methodology, you you're going to do it this way. It's the easiest way of doing it without actually simulating the games, which is very hard to do. On FanDuel, I saw the winning lineup in a single entry sacrifice 17 points of projection the other night. Doesn't that seem pretty high? Maybe. Could be pretty high. I, I've seen winning lineups that sacrificed 80 points of projection. That won. Does that mean you do it? No, because you, you're rarely going to win. You have to stop thinking in terms of what won that night. Who cares? It does not matter. I saw I saw a lineup with 14 guys that that were bench unit players, and then they all won. It's like, okay, yeah, that'll happen once every 10,000 years. And it happened tonight. And that person had the guy. Okay, does that mean it makes it good? That's what you should be doing? No. Bad lineups win DFS contests every night. All the time. People stop, you have to stop thinking in terms of 100% and 0%. In poker, right? I have I have the best hand and uh, my opponent has one out. He has to draw 46 cards. And he only has one out. He needs to hit quads on the river to beat to beat me, to beat my full house. The four of diamonds is the only card that that could save him. And he has to call a hundred a hundred dollar bet into a hundred dollar pot. He's getting two to one odds on something that will happen forty six to one. He calls his card comes out. Does that make him no? It's horrible. Now, if he was getting more than 46 to 1 odds to do that, if I bet him penny and he called and he quarters quads, then yeah, that's the correct decision. You shouldn't be calling a 2 to 1, 2 to 1 bet on a 46 to 1 shot. And if he hits it, oh, that means you should always do it. No, of course not. Bad players need to win at these games in order for there to be an ecosystem. But there are plenty of bad lineups that win DFS contests. Not once in a while, like all the time. Someone's like, I'm going to jam in eight 1% owned guys into my lineup. And it just so happens that three or four of them put up 50 point games. Does that mean you should be doing it? No. The likely, the probability of that winning is low, low, very, very low. But if you have a hundred people that are trying that type of strategy and one of them will hit every once in a while. That doesn't make that doesn't make it hot. That still is negative EV. You could build a lineup that is negative EV and win. Just it's a negative expected value. It means if you ran this a thousand times, ten thousand times, at the end of it, you'll lose money. Doesn't mean you can't win every once in a while with it. Yeah, sure, of course. Chris Chandler Cannon, would you be willing to give up more points in projection on a larger slate versus a smaller slate? It that it depends on the the slate size. Doesn't matter. On a smaller slate, you have to deal more with duplication. So yes, I'm more likely to give up projection and if I can't make lineups that aren't going to be duplicated. But the size of the slate doesn't matter that much. You're probably not giving up as many points in projection on a larger slate only because there are more options, right? When you have a three-game slate, oh, instead of playing this guy, I'm playing that guy. I mean, there's, how many options do you have? You're going to have to sacrifice three points in order to make any change. But if you if you if there are a lot of players on the slate and they're all 
somewhat efficiently priced. Like the difference between 50 different players isn't all that many points. The difference between 20 people that are all 2% owned, the projections aren't going to be that different from each other. So you're most likely not going to be sacrificing a ton. Not You're not going to be sacrificing 25 points for no apparent reason. Right, Daniel Hunchings has it right. With the largest light, you have more choices. So you shouldn't have to give up less projections in order to get leverage. That's right. Yeah, but you could have, but we could have an 11 game slate with this guy out, that guy in this, you know, people are uh, six handed rotations and we have, we have, you know, mega chalk, stupid chalk, you know, six guys that are going to be 60% plus owned. It's like, yeah, they're also going to be projected extremely high. I mean, they're going to be highly projected and in order to get leverage, you're going to have to fade one of them or two of them. And you got to sacrifice a bunch to do so. It depends on the slate like that. Outside of that, the differences between, like I said, Kawhi Leonard, Jaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, like if they're all sitting there at like 5% owned, like does it matter which one do you play? You're not going to sacrifice more projections so you don't play any of those three because they're already low owned as it is, low enough owned. That why do you have to sacrifice any more? Drewer27, do you backload your GPPs for late news on DK if you want to? Depends on what, what you're aiming for. There's no yes, there's no yes or no. There's no yes or no to that question. A lot of top players left spaces to see if Harden was going to play or not. Because if Harden didn't play, there's a lot of edge. Because if Harden was going to be chalk as it is then switch and make all the pivots then. But then there are other people that played the early game, that Denver-Orlando game. Jokic was under-owned, right? Guys in that game were kind of under-owned. Fournier wasn't, was 12% owned. So you do the other way. You go, I think people are going to wait on to see if Harden's playing, and I'm going to get low-owned on the first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lock it up in the first game. You, you can do that as well. So it depends on what, what your approach is for the slate but understand that last night like the i mean brooklyn brooklyn with irving at brooklyn was going to be chalk as it is like bruce brown and claxton and joe harris on FanDuel, and like they're already going to be owned right so you're you were backloading as it was to some extent brandon stinson more or less, is there a cap on how much salary can be left in the table in large field GPPs? My lineup with 1,100 remaining did better than the one with 600 left. It happens semi-regularly to me. It doesn't matter. You're still asking the wrong questions. Is there a cap? Here's how you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to explain how you know you're asking a stupid question. Okay? This is the definitive. There's two ways to know that you're asking a stupid question in DFS. Number one, can it be answered by yes or no? If your answer can be answered, if I can answer it, say yes, or I could say no, that means it's a stupid question. Number two, can the can it be answered with an exact number? Those are the two qualifying factors. So think of your question and say, can this question be answered with yes no or an exact number and and if it can be delete the question 
Is there a cap on how much salary can be left on the table in large field GPPs? It depends. That would be the correct answer. There's no yes or no. How much salary can we leave on the table? You're asking for an exact number. It depends. Depends on the slate. Depends on the it depends on the projection of the players. It depends. Let's say let's say, let's say there's a 3K guy that projects for 700 points. And then there's another $3,000 guy that projects for 8 million points. And then there's another 3K player. Like most likely you're not spending your entire salary, right? You probably may only spend 47,000 on DraftKings because the guy, the guys that are, are cheaper are actually higher projected than the guys that are more expensive than them. So why are you going to spend all your salary? Oh, I'm going to fit in Harden, uh, Luca, why? The guys that are 8K are uh, project better than them. Imagine, imagine Harden, Luca, Jokic on this slate today. Let's just say Harden, Luca, Jokic, Giannis uh, are all minimum price. Well, they're going to project better. Who are you going to play? Trey Young? Or are you going to play Harden at 3K? Well, you're going to play Harden at 3K. Are you going to play Kawhi at 9,000 or Luca at 3K? You play Luca at 3K. You're going to. You may not be able to spend all your salary because the people that are that are even low the lowest salary have more point have more have higher projection people that are three times more expensive. So you may you may be leaving 3K on the table and have you have a better lineup with the more projected points. Now I'm using an extreme example just to highlight the fact of why the question is stupid. Yeah, there are plenty of lineups that could be especially late swap, you're late swapping, this guy's in, that guy's out, and you're left there, and like the best lineup you can make is 58-7 on FanDuel or something, or 48-8 on, on DraftKings, and okay, what's wrong with that? There you go. You're more likely to leave salary on the table on a short slate. Why is that? If you're playing a three-game slate, two-game slate, showdown slate, a lot of times... I'm, there, there, there have been showdown slates in NFL where I've, where I've left 10,000 on the table. Not spending. Where my average lineup left 5,000 on the table. Well, why do you do that? Can't you make better lineups? Yeah, of course I can make higher projected lineups, but they're going to be duplicated like 60 times. And I'm playing, a, I'm playing a GPP in showdown. So my main goal is to not have duplicated lineups or have the least of duplication. Because that's my priority. How do I get that? Well, if I spend all my salary, most likely I'm going to be duplicated a ton. Some some of those lineups may not be, but a lot of the lineups will be. So I'm more likely to leave salary on the table. But let's say I was playing that same showdown slate, but I was playing cash games. Well, I don't care about duplication of cash games. So I'm probably not leaving 5000 on the table. Probably spending is whatever the highest projected median lineup is. If it so happens to leave 1200 to the table, then so be it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you see, there are other variables. That's why you can't answer questions with yes, no, or a number. What contest are you in? What are you playing? What's the situation? What opponents? There's all these other variables. So until you know all the other variables, it, everything is, it depends. What do you do with ace-king in poker? Well, what does that mean? How am I supposed to answer that? How do you play ace-king? I'm, I'm asking you, how do you play ace-king offsuit in, in, in hold'em, in no-limit hold'em? 
Well, how do you answer that? Well, number one, I'm going to have to know, are you in a tournament? Is this a cash game? What's the stack sizes? What's the, what, what stacks are around the table? How many opponents are playing at the table? Are you playing four-handed? Are you playing nine-handed? What position are you in? Right? Are you under the gun? Are you on the button? Are you in the big blind? Was that, was there a raise? Are there three limpers that, that have limped in? So how am I supposed to answer the question of like, how, what, this is the same thing in DFS. You're asking, you know, what do I do with ace-king offsuit? Like, well, there's tons of things. You, the, there's situations where you fold it outright. You just, you're chucking in. There's situations where you shove. There's situations where you flat call. There are situations where, where you min-raise, depending on the stacks. There, there's so many different other variables that you have to deal with. So asking a question like, you know, well, what, what is this? It's like, well, there's like eight other variables that that they depend. That's why it depends. Okay, let's see if there's anything else before we get out of here. Right, Drew at 27 highlighted exactly the same thing. Vandal's pricing is so loose that you're tricked into thinking you're making a really good lineup when it might not be optimal depending on the slide. That's absolutely correct. Oh, this looks like a great lineup. And you like, you have no leverage. You have nothing. You, you, you're, you're wondering is like, oh, great. I'm min cash type of line. Because the pricing is so soft. And a lot of times you're like, you have like four or five guys that project so well that it's like, do you play them or, or not? Like you have, you have to make those type of decisions, but it makes it, it you, you feel good not having to play a Nicholas Claxton or something, even though you probably did on FanDuel yesterday. But like the, the 4K guys that you kind of almost need to play on DraftKings, you have to make those types of decisions. On FanDuel, you don't. So it feels like you're building a better lineup, but it's actually a suboptimal lineup if you're playing large field GPPs. So yeah, so, but those are the variables that matter. That's why I understand when you're asking a question, like you need to take into account all of the, like in order, in order for a proper question to be asked, you're going to have to write several paragraphs to explain the situation. Should I play so-and-so tonight? Even doesn't have an answer either. Do I play Harden tonight? Well, that, 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 that depends. Depends on the rest of your lineup. It depends on the contest you're in. Depends on the, 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 the stakes, the opponent level. The Depends on a ton of things. Do I back? Do I do I wait for the late games? Well, it depends on what the late games are. Depends on what the positions of those players are. Depends on what their projected ownership is going to be. It depends on what the projections are compared to the. I mean, there's so many other things to think about. So that's why you have to think non-linearly. Once you start thinking probabilistically and non-linearly, you don't ask, you don't ask these types of questions. You think of, well, there's no one thing to do. There's no one correct thing to do. There's no one, there's no correct answer to anything. There's more probable and less probable. Like I'm more likely 80% of the time to do this and 20% of the time to do that. On this slate, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? But I'm more likely to do this than do that. Does it mean you never do this? No, of course not. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Do you ever play a player in 100% of your lives? Well, sometimes, sure. Sometimes not. Do you ever X out a guy? Yeah, sometimes. And sometimes, like, it depends. Depends on the slate. Depends on your strategy. Depends on the contest that you're specifically playing in. Depends on so many other factors. So without giving any of the other factors, what? how am I supposed to answer the question? 
It's not that you're leaving stuff out. You're, you're unaware. The, the reason why people ask those types of questions is because they're unaware that you should be factoring in eight to 10 other things. And that's what I'm trying to teach you. To factor in all those things. To not think in terms of, well, you always do this and you never do that. Like that, that doesn't exist in DFS. Always fill out your lineups so that you that you're not you're on blank spots. Yeah, okay. There, there, there's a yes or no. There's a yes. You always do that. I don't reserve entries without putting in some some type of line. Okay, okay. Can't win with blank spaces. Okay, yes. I get that. Right. Probably not playing injured players, right? If you know they're going to be injured, if they have the O out symbol and they're not going to play, you're, you're, you're never going to play that. And even then, even, even in that example, that's not a never. That it, It's weird to say. There, 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 there could be certain instances where you'd play an injured player. Uh, more, than, more than one instance that you, you, you'd actively play an injured player. Can you come up with this, the circumstances where you'd play an injured player? I can come up with two. You'd play an injured player. Let's say you're playing a head-to-head, okay, with someone else. All their PMR is done. You're up by a half a point. But all their PMR is done. And you're up by a half a point, and you have one slot left. So you have one slot. And let's say you, ha- you have James Harden there. Yeah, you're, you're that far ahead. And you have the 10K guy. And you have James Harden. And you're up by a half a point. But your opponent is done. Is absolutely done. Zero PMR. Play the injured player. Harden can get a turnover and, and get injured, right? They, you get negative points. If you get a zero in that spot, you win. So it doesn't matter how many points you score. So play the guy with a zero. Now, obviously, someone's going to say to me, well, what is if there's a stack correction and it's a half a point and you go the other way? True. So maybe let's say you're up by three points, right? If you're up by a half a point, maybe you still keep the guy in because you never know. Stack correction and you lose. And you have the guy that's zero. Okay, maybe maybe you get that. If you're up by three points, four points, probably not outside of the range of a stack correction, play the injured player. I don't know. I don't know how a basketball player gets negative three points, but if you get a zero there, you're guaranteed to win. So just play the injured. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Just play the guy that, that there's no risk whatsoever. So that's an instance you play an injured player. Another instance of you actively playing an injured player is if it's the, if let's say we have a, like a showdown, it's showdown and the, and it's, and it's the cheapest player in the pool. It's a $200 player, but they're injured. So they're not going to play. There's more like, there's probably more for, for NFL. So it's a $200 player that's injured. The next highest player is like 400, but the only way you, you can make a certain lineup. <laughs> Let's say you're jamming in five studs. You're playing like Patrick Mahomes and the captain, you know, playing the, you're stacking the Chiefs or something. And the only way to make that lineup is to play a $200 player in the utility spot. The guy's injured. He's not going to play. But there's no way to get those five other people with that guy in the captain spot without playing that $200 player. Can the other five guys score enough points that the zero doesn't matter? 
Sometimes, sometimes that works out. We see that we see that in NFL Showdown, where the cheap guy gets three points and he's in the the optimal winning GPP lineup. So that's zero. That could be fine. The guy's injured, not going to play, but that's the only way you could make that lineup. Now, is it something that you actively like? How do I do? No, but it's like I said before. Nothing in DFS is a hundred percent or zero percent. So that's why I was trying to think of like. Like, oh, yeah, you'd always play. You'd never play injured guys. And then I'm like, no, even that's not a never. There there are instances. They may happen 0.1% of the time, but there are instances where it could make logical, they, you could make a plus EV lineup with an injured player. So once you start thinking like this, when this is thinking non-linearly, thinking probabilistically, you could start coming up with where, are there instances? Are there outcomes? Where where can I find where an outcome happens where it's logical, it's plus EV, and it goes against like, oh, you should never do Like, no, there's going to be a percent of the time that something is going to be viable. So saying something is yes, no, always, never, those type of terms, I don't, I, I don't like using. So I, I, I hope you got something out of, out of today's show. Explain some stuff for an 11-game slate. So what, what are we going to talk about? Half the league is going to get traded. The injury report doesn't matter. Who cares about the injury report? It's a the biggest lie. The biggest lie, the injury report, biggest work of fiction there is. Going to care about the injury report? Who knows? We'll see what happens. Tonight. I don't even know if I'm going to play tonight. I don't think I am. I'll keep up. I'll keep up with, with what's going on so we can review it tomorrow. But it's going, it's go, it's going to be a shit show. I'm telling you. Or I say that, and and it's not. It's going to be one of those like, oh, it's, I can't believe it's an 11 game slate and nothing's happened. Wouldn't that be a kick in the ass? Well, whatever. We'll come back tomorrow and talk about it, right? Because that's what I do every day, every weekday here on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button. On your way out the door, keep the apple juice cold. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Uh, we got Grinders Live coming up uh, tonight with the OGs. The OGs, Beer Makers Fan, Noto, Head Chopper. They're coming up at uh, 5.30, 5.30 Eastern Time here on YouTube. And then crunch time for premium members with Roth, Meansy, and Tuttle maybe, some someone else. Uh, that's for premium members where you could click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. As always, you could get uh, you could pick up my 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 course, my fifteen hour audio DFS master course, Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports at theoryofdfs.com. But uh, we'll do this again tomorrow, like we always do, weekdays, eleven a.m. in the morning, for the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com.